Welcome back to Mixed Media. We are back for some gaming stuff. We're still waiting for Ben, uh, but I believe Ben will be back. We've got this awesome, interesting topic that I did not know anything about until I literally looked it up. I hope my example of Warzone is accurate. <laughs> um, and it's gaming as a service, which I think is really interesting because it contrasts with soft software as a service. Um, and uh, Nathan will take it away. All right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, topic is gaming as a service, but specifically, yeah, specifically how it'll be harmful to the gaming industry in the long term. That's not to say that there are no good things about it. I'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, my chief point is that uh, in the long term, no good. Probably, I think. I could be wrong. This is one of the ones where I'm less sure of. Uh, yeah. So first, uh, let's go over what gaming as a service or games as a service is. It's also known as live service or you can call the games that are part of that category live games. And as I being said, it's like software as a service, the same concept, except it's for games. Um, or technically it is a software as a service because games are software, but uh, at least video games. So essentially, the game is continuously updated in order to bring in more revenue, right? So example is like on the screen is Warzone, where as time goes on, they might add, say, skins, for example, right? And then you can buy the skins. And so they continuously update the game. Maybe they'll, you know, add you know, new new content, new features, whatever it is, um, in order to ex- uh, extend, the lifet- extend the lifetime of the game. And there are many ways to get revenue from this that I'll uh, explain later. Uh, this is contrary to... Games as a product, which is sort of the more traditional way of doing things. This is like, uh, I guess, the original way, since games as a service requires that you have an internet connection, right? Whereas, uh, you know, in the early days when people were gaming on older consoles, like, you know, talking like DS and stuff like that, they weren't connected to the internet, so games as a service wasn't even something that would be possible, right? Unless you distributed the physical game, you know, for an update, but that didn't happen because it's just cumbersome. So, yeah, like a sort of you know, release the game once and it's done kind of thing, that's games as a product. And that's the normal way of doing things. At least it was the normal way of doing things. So this is some examples. Uh, obviously, Warzone, as I said before, um, sometimes games will add characters. So an uh, example would be like Agents in Valorant. Or you could even, you know, extend this example to Cars in Rocket League. Some games have, are, have a subscription service. So in order to keep playing, you have to pay. So I believe World of Warcraft is a subscription service. Um, a lot of MMOs are subscriptions like that. Um, so MMOs aren't World of like Warcraft is extremely old with that model. That's like yeah, maybe one of it's the like first one ones. of the original original games as a service things. Yeah, um, which is interesting because uh, you know this is like sort of the dawn of multiplayer gaming, right? And it's like at least especially massive multiplayer gaming, and they decided to go that route instead of the normal you just buy, it, which makes probably makes sense when you think about it because you, know, you have to pay for servers consist- continuously, right? And so if you know. If you imagine there's no precedent in servers in you know game pricing or anything like that, and someone said, "Well, we have this product. It's a video. It's what's called a video game, right? It's a brand new and it's multiplayer, and you have to keep paying for the server. You're probably going to make it so that you have to keep paying to use it. You know, like that's like even if you just leave the video game world, right? And it's just anything that costs you money consistently to use, right? If you leave the whole software world, really, uh, then." Uh, cost you as the company it costs you money to consistently use then you would probably expect that your customer pay consistently to use it unless the costs are very you know minimal and stuff like that um which servers aren't necessarily you know maintenance and stuff like that 
Although, you know, now we have things like Google Cloud and stuff like that, or uh, Amazon Web Services where you're not doing the maintenance yourself. But yeah, so yeah, World of Warcraft uh, subscription service. Uh, but yeah, games add things like new items, new cosmetics, whatever. Uh, all free-to-play games that intend to make money, so basically any free-to-play game that's not a passion project, like not solely a passion project, is a service. And so yeah, let's get to my point of how I think it'll be harmful uh, in the long term for the video games industry. First point is that people will play games for a longer amount of time without paying proportionally, right? This is sort of how I was saying before, where you would expect people to pay for using a service, right? For using something that costs money consistently for the company to create, essentially, uh, this is not the case. So this is, you know, it's both a pro and a con in a way, right? Because you know, obviously, it's good for the consumer if they're getting more value for their money, right? But at the end of the day, you know, the the the, the health of the video games industry is not it doesn't matter what you know the consumer doesn't determine that. That's determined by the companies that are part of the gaming industry, right? And so. You know, the company has to be in good shape, right? That's not to say that, you know, you can neglect the consumer because then the company is not going to be in good shape, right? It's sort of a symbiotic relationship. So, you know, obviously you need to provide a good product, but uh, not, at the, not at great expenses, right? That don't make sense. So what happens when you create games that you can play for a really long time is that people have less time to play different games, right? So let's take, you know, some people have hundreds of hours on games. Some people have over a thousand, right? Now, you know, contrasting like a movie, right? No one has a thousand hours in a movie because that would be actually insane. <laughs> or even hundreds of hours in a movie. I don't think anyone has a hundred hours in a movie, <laughs> in one movie specifically, you know? You have to listen, you have to watch it like you know, maybe 40 times, right? That's a lot of times to watch a movie. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and never get bored with it. But, you know, video games are obviously different. They have a lot of replayability oftentimes, and the video games as a service only increases that, right? Because as new content comes out, now it's a new experience in some sense for you to play. It depends. Sometimes it's less of a new experience. Like if they add a, add a cosmetic that you don't buy, that's not really a new experience for you. But if they add, uh, I'll say it's Valorant, where they add a new map, that is a new experience for you. And you might be inclined to play the game again just to experience that new level and see what it's like. In that case, then the strategy of games as a service has worked in the in Valorant's favor. Um, but yeah, you create you create games where the playtime is you know absolutely humongous, and this this creates a low demand for games because people are too busy playing you know some one game over another. Because at the end of the day, everyone's fighting for your time essentially. How however many hours you allot to playing games. Um, everyone's fighting for that time, you know, and they try to make better games because then it, it may cause you to essentially increase the amount of hours you're willing to allot to something because you're like, oh, but this game is really good though. I really want to play it, right? Or I'll mm-hmm. play it even longer. Yeah, really, the 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 goal of you know, from a purely a purely I'm trying to sell you something standpoint, right? The goal of a game is to just get you to play it like for a minute, you know, at least, right? Because they get to buy it, right? So. Everyone's just fighting for, you know, it's crazy to think about. Everyone's just fighting for at least a minute, but not everyone, not everyone can even get that. You know, so that's that's how, uh, at a low demand, we are, are at currently. Um, that it's, you know, this is sort of related to what I was talking about before with the uh, indie apocalypse or whatever you want to call it. You know, I said that it's not as big of a deal as I think people are saying it is, but it's certainly not the simplest thing ever to, to break into the gaming industry. And you can definitely get screwed by bad luck or, you know, whatever it is that causes you to have a great idea and you do everything correctly, but it just doesn't, you know, you market market correctly, as I was talking about before, but it just doesn't turn out uh, the way you want it to in terms of sales. This causes, you know, devs to have a harder time 
um, and it means that they're going to be a lot more. Uh, they're going to be playing things a lot more safe, right? We're talking like specifically well-established developers, right? They're not going to want to lose on lose the foothold that they have in the, you know, because they're in a position that's hard to get into to begin with, right? They're not going to want to lose that, uh, and they're going to tend to experiment even less, you know, than than they do already. Um, yeah, doing things that they know will work. For example, you know, like when um, when the culling came out, you know, and battle royales were like, you know, that was like you know, the culling was one of the first like major battle royales, and, and then some companies were like, hey, that's pretty cool, and then you know they realized that works, right? And so then you know PUBG came out, and you could, I guess you could say PUBG experimented, right? Because Battle Royales weren't a humongous thing yet, I guess, right? And then Fortnite did it. I would not say Fortnite was ex- experimenting in the same way, right? Yeah, they had building elements, but at the core of the game was a, you know, they, they clearly hopped onto something they knew would work, right? At least they, maybe they didn't know if the building part would work, but they intentionally took, you know, something that they for sure had a large audience people were playing, and they were like, well, let's just grab that because we know it works, and then, you know, uh, we can put that in, in our in our pre-existing Fortnite game and then, you know, create the Battle Royale game. But, and then, you know, from there, you know, you have like a trillion and one other Battle Royale games that came out because, you know, experimentation is scary, right? Because you have a, there's a chance that the thing you think people will like, people just won't like because it's experimental, right? You, you've never seen someone create a game like that or very few people create a game like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, you end up getting uh, just worse quality games because experimentation is what causes games to be of great quality, right? You need to find out what works, and the only way to do that is through experimentation. And uh, yes, I guess a sub-point that's pretty related to what I just said before is that you know, the small indie game dream, because not even indie, right? Just the small game dev dream in general. You're not talking about like two-person. I'm talking about like you can have even like, you know, the under publisher or whatever, but you're not like EA or Activision Blizzard, right? Because a lot, a lot is viable. It was a lot more hard because there's uh, no space to compete really, or not as much space to compete really uh, than there could be. You know, obviously, some people may not relate to this. They might be like, "Oh, but I play so many games every year." There are definitely a lot of people who play games for you know half an hour and just say, "Well, you know, it wasn't my kind of game, or maybe I liked it, but I'd rather be playing something else," and they stop, right? Those aren't the, they're not the problem. They're not part of the problem, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying the consumer is the problem. I'm saying the consumer is the problem indirectly, right? The consumer who, you know, plays a game for hundreds of hours, like me, for example, right? Like, indirectly part of the problem because we don't end up buying something else, and it's caused by games as a service. Is my point. Um, <clears throat> so I guess directly caused by the company, I guess, in a way. Or is it the other way? I mean. Uh, the initial, the initial cause, right? The thing that happened first, I guess, is is the company making the game as a service game, right? Then, right. then it comes that the consumer, you know, is playing it for a long time, whatever. Uh, second point, uh, after games being super long, without having to pay for it being long, is that oh wait, I forgot to say, there's one thing that actually breaks this trend, right? And that's subscription services, and that actually gives the devs money. For you know, people playing it proportional to the time that they play it, right? This solves some issues, right, of the devs having a harder time, right, because now they make more money, but it doesn't solve the problem of devs having a harder time getting into the into the industry. I think it's a smaller problem than devs not having enough money based on the, the content they produce. So I think it's a uh, worthy trade-off. I think it makes a lot of sense. 
also don't think it necessarily makes sense for a company to, you know, have to cater to letting other companies exist. I'm not saying, you know, there should be monopolies. What I'm saying is you don't have to be like, oh, I see that you're suffering because, you know, there's a hard competitive space. Let me, like, not make a game this year or something like that, right? I'm not saying that. Um, uh, Yeah, just... uh, that's more of a side thing, I guess, more of a negative side effect that I, I wouldn't expect companies to go for, I guess, anyways. But the second point is that the initial product is likely to be worse. I say this because the incentive to release something that's you know genuinely a good game uh, at launch is going to be less than uh, less as a uh, service if, if, rather than if it was a product, right? So if you create a really bad game, you can always patch it later in the games as a service thing, right? Obviously, some games are not really able to be patched in that way because patching takes you know effort and obviously if you entrench yourself in bad code for example it's going to be very hard to get out of that right or if you create a bad story you can't just rewrite the story right you can add to the story but i've never heard of an example where the story was just changed otherwise yeah you can oftentimes just patch the game later in say no man's sky for example um, so, so, <laughs> the classic example I keep bringing up because I guess it exemplifies a lot of things that are kind of bad and kind of good about the gaming industry. Yeah, the game currently sits at a, I think it's mostly positive on Steam, the review thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, I, I don't know what it was at the start. I assume it was overwhelmingly negative or mostly negative because um, of how you know bad a reception it got. But it was able to patch it itself and become better, right? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, this is good or this is bad, right? On one hand, the company got no punishment for, well, I shouldn't say no punishment. It got perhaps less punishment than it should have for creating a, you know, for essentially being, not being truthful truthful about what was in their game at launch, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, it allowed them to make the game better, right? But we could just avoid the whole situation. It just made the game better from the start, you know? I don't think uh, this roundabout way of, of doing things is, uh, is, is, is benefiting anyone. Well, except for the companies who don't have to create something good at the start, I guess, which is do you not think, good for the video games industry as a whole. That's what my point is. Do um, you think, so yeah, it's a lot better for your profits if you can create, if you can spend less time on your game at, at initially. So it doesn't have to be fully polished. Um, it could be something, you know, good enough essentially, <laughs> and then uh, you can make it better as time goes on. Uh, I think there are cases where this works, and essentially where I wouldn't find this a bad thing, and that's in cases where the game isn't bad at start. Take a game like RimWorld, for example. Uh, RimWorld is a game that still receives updates, and the game is not old. I mean, you know, it's not young, it's not new. It's not Minecraft old, but it's not like it came out yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere in between. Um, And it still receives updates, uh, perhaps longer than your average game, I guess, for receiving updates. And clearly, it's a games-as-a-service thing, right? But... I would say the game was just good from the start, right? And this is one of the good things with the games and services that you can take in community feedback and be like, okay, like people want this added to the game. I think about this myself. All right, I'll add it to the game. I think it makes sense, right? Yeah. That's the good side. The bad side is when you get stuff like, I'm just going to tell my consumer or something about the game that's not true. They'll be upset, but that's okay because I can just add the thing later. You know, we can say, oh, well, you know, we expected it to happen, but the deadline just came up. Even if you knew, knew full well it wasn't going to happen, you know, uh, the deadline yeah. just came up. Um, we'll get it to you soon, <laughs> you know. Um, that's kind of a 
it's part of like cyberpunk syndrome, right? When people, when cyberpunk came out, people were still, cons- you know, it was like, you know, it was a disaster in terms of the PR. Everyone knew, knew it's it was not in a good state, but people were still like, I still hear people saying, "Well, should I buy it because I know it'll get better? It'll just get better, you know, they'll patch the bugs and stuff like that." I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, really? You're just gonna get like, I don't know, it's something yeah. so like. <laughs> That really bothers me about that, right? That you can, you know, you can just create some absolute garbage, right? You can tell, you can, you can put on a poor representation of what the game is in a trailer, you know, because they just, you know, avoided everything negative about the game. It's not even like, you know, avoiding bugs in your trailer is understandable. If your entire game is a bug, though, I mean, come on, <laughs> you just can't release it. That's just it, right? Or at least say, hey, you know, run up our deadline. Game is not quite there yet, so if you buy it, just understand. You know, you don't even have to, you know, you have to say how bad it is. <laughs> just to say, uh, you know, buy your own risk. Maybe wait for some reviews or something like that. You know, you know, whatever you want to do to skirt around the problem. I mean, I'd rather you just not skirt around the problem. But you know, if 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 you want to go that route, right, it's just better if you skirt around the problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they don't have to. They can just make a bad game because people will, will just buy it anyway. It doesn't matter. They'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, games are a service. Games get better. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe the game did get better. But was the company really deserving of that kind of money for that, you know, for essentially, re- you know, lying to you? Are you going to really, like, I don't know. It's It just bothers me so much. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, no. you know, truthful devs with good games get zero dollars. Uh, what was the game you know, that, that you were just mentioning? I I, uh, I didn't hear it. Or yeah, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that uh, the same thing is is practically true about like, I mean, I'm not. I haven't followed the dev process in a while now, but I mean, the dev process is like, I don't know, maybe nearing on. Is it nearing on like I don't know a decade? I have no idea. But Star Citizen. Like oh yeah, I don't yeah. know how old that is, but it's definitely been like it's been years, definitely. <laughs> it's, been it's been a years. long time, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, they kind of have a similar, not similar, but they have a like a problem too with like. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I still know people. Some people play Star Citizen, but it's still an unfinished game entirely. But they kind of lied to people, and you know how long it would take them to make it, even though they had make it even though they already paid into it right and there's a lot of scandals that happened uh post that and maybe it just takes someone doing games as a service like well right like more like uh i mean world of warcraft is probably a good example right of uh games as a service like where it's a trustworthy provider um they, I mean, I'm not, I'm not plugged into the community, so I don't really know how well their releases go. But I assume they go okay enough for they to keep doing this for this long. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm also not like, I'm not, uh, in, yeah, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not into the uh, World of Warcraft community. But I have, I do know of some people, you know, some uh, public figures, I guess, who play World of Warcraft, and it seems that. At least, I maybe with the recent releases specifically, you know, because I've only seen recent stuff, um, that things seem to be going well. And you know, occasionally it's like, I don't really like this thing, but in general, it seems like it's just it's just good, you know, at least for yeah. that audience. I wonder why there's not better like companies that are just good at it, you know, like more companies that are just 
good at games as a service like that. You know, like that just no one wants to pay a subscription. You know, World of Warcraft gets the pass because they did it early, but uh, yeah, people want their free games, and then you know they'll cry when they get the loot box. <laughs> <laughs> Like oh, I just want a free game with you know. You know, people are still talking about yeah, Battlefield you have to pay the price somehow, right? Like yeah, people are still talking about how Battlefield has no has no uh, single player. Wait, didn't, they, didn't they release a single player? Thing? Didn't they add it? Wait, what? Because they yeah, actually wait. Let me look this up. Battlefield. There's a trailer. I didn't. I don't think I took this into the trailer, but Battlefield 2042 uh, campaign. Wait, what? I don't know, dude. I thought I saw a story. Th- I saw a story, like a trailer that looked like it was from like a story, right? It wasn't a gameplay trailer or anything. It just looked like it was a straight story. Like clearly, there's some lore. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. Battlefield. Maybe trailer. I'll have. Maybe I'll do what like Warzone does. And like, I mean, the Warzone route is actually pretty cool. I like the evolving Warzone story that's not tied to any campaign, right? Like it's just, you know, every season of Warzone, there's like a new little cutscene that sort of pro- progresses how Warzone changes. And that's not even the most interesting part, right? Like they build the lore throughout the entire system, like in the menus and like, you know, you get a new character, you get a little animation, like, you know, the world of Warzone is kind of well understood, even though I haven't read a single thing about the world is it Warzone, you know what I mean? So, I mean, you can do that without having a literal single player. It would be smart for them to do it that way, I think. Yeah, this is not a campaign. This is a, a short film. That's what it is. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, right. I just thought it was a trailer. Like, I was like, oh, well, obviously, well, this is like a story to me, you know? It was just like, yeah. I didn't know it was self-contained. I thought it was like part of something bigger. But... Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. No people, are still, uh, <laughs> people are still <laughs> hangry. Like, they're just like absolutely uh, enraged still. Um, I'm sure it's a minority of like weird people who are still like on this... Uh, on this this train but i mean it costs money to make single player battlefield doesn't make good single players therefore hopefully this efficiency is keeping your game not as expensive while still having good multiplayer so i i'm kind of down for it i'm kind of pro pro this unless it's a bad company game then you need to have single player because bad company single players are actually decent for the record star citizen was announced in 2012 got two million dollars kickstarter Uh, pre-production started in 2010. Production started in 2011. The game was originally anticipated for 2014, but was delayed. And then it was released to pre-purchasers. And <laughs> can't be serious. <laughs> to pre-purchasers, into their pre-purchasers in 2015, uh, and continues to receive updates. No predicted date for the commercial release of Star Citizen is currently given. You could pre-purchase this game six years ago and the game still has not been released okay so the thing is like right if they were transparent for the beginning right they're using CryEngine, they're doing super high detailed oh, work they're not anymore by the way oh they're really using, uh amazon lumberyard also they received you want to take a guess at how much money they received not through purchasing like pre-purchases but through it says crowdfunding uh oh, no. and external investments do you want to do you want to guess this is people who are doing this not because even. they received anything, by the way. <laughs> well, maybe crowdfunding, you receive, like, you know, some special some thing skin. when you buy the game, whatever. But, you know, yeah. maybe that doesn't create, include pre purchases because I guess that could be crowdfunding because it's not like you're buying the thing technically. I don't know. But what, how, how much do you think that figure would be? Dude, I uh, have buy, uh, zero 20 clue. 20 <laughs> I have zero clue. <laughs> no, just maybe. take a guess, man. Take a guess. Uh, $2 million? I don't know. 
Oh <laughs> no! By like over an order of magnitude. Oh no! I underestimated humanity. Five million. Wait, what is it? Sixty-three point two five million. Oh no! <laughs> what are they doing with that money? That's insane. I remember That's... a couple years ago, maybe it was last year, uh, maybe two years ago. I remember seeing something called Squadron Forty Two, which is like some single player thing. I'm seeing yeah. it on Wikipedia now. It says, "Is is just like, come on, man." I remember thinking like it looked it looked really nice, like beautiful, right? Like in terms of visual visually, right? The Squadron Forty Two, a single player game set in the, se- in the same universe, was initially announced in Kickstarter as an included campaign. They went to Kickstarter again for a part of their game. <laughs> so here here's my, here's my point though about like Star Citizen. If they were honest since the beginning about the fact that this was going to be a decades-long project and you were in it as an investor, right? Like you were, you were paying into something that you're investing in for decades because otherwise this this type of game could never be made. Which the argument could be made that you know you this game type of game could never be made because it's just too cost prohibitive. You know, there's no amount of investment you could get unless you really convince like a big whale, like, you know, a Microsoft or something to invest in it. There's no amount of money that you can get from investment to make this game happen. The problem is, is the lack of transparency. Like (laughs) they said, oh yeah, like, you know, pre-buy the game and the game will be out in like two years, right? Like, and it's, it's been almost a decade since like, you know, since, since all this stuff and fans didn't know that and i would have much rather them say we're gonna build this world piece by piece and have like a very like good plan like a playable plan right where you start with like okay let's just start with one planet and you can play on that planet right um then let's make that planet multiplayer and you can play on that planet multiplayer then let's make this solar system right but instead of doing that they just make a big gigantic broken thing that just has continuously like non-functioning parts being added to it instead of like being able to pick it up and actually play it as intended. You know what I mean? Like why didn't they just take a path that actually made just made sense to subscribe for because you were in it for the vision. You know what I mean? Instead of uh, uh, this being this like, you know, Oh, we're going to like chase this trail and then chase this trail. Let's make this single player. Like, you know, (laughs) You know, let, let's let's make this single player and skin Kickstarter for that. Like, I feel like it could have been a convincible project, you know, uh, mm-hmm. if it was done properly. And maybe that would have been a good example of gaming as a service if if they had planned it to be that way instead of it being like garbage. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if they even care anymore. Yeah, you know? I wonder if they yeah. it again or just a scheme, you know, the entire time. But the thing is, the concept is is like I mean, they put a lot of work into the art. At least the art is like you know, like yeah, that's the part that like you get someone to do it who's passionate about it, and you know, obviously it's still any work for them. But that's the easy part, you know. I'm saying, yeah, (laughs) relatively. I'm not saying it's easy, you know. But I'm saying, if you know, for the amount of money you're getting, that's easy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if like you know, overall though, if there were more companies that were doing gaming as a service better, if that would compete well against the companies that do it poorly, or like don't do it and then do other things that are kind of unsavory. um, Whether that would push competition in a good direction, and then we wouldn't see like a lot of the problems that you mentioned. You know, Uh, I don't know where I was. Oh, yeah, I, I, we went on a crazy bunny you trail. Digressed. I don't even know what we started with. Uh, uh, you're oh, talking cyberpunk. about cyberpunk, yeah. In summary, with cyberpunk, yeah, it's, it's setting a precedent where, you know, the idea that you can create a game that's horrible, you can still make a lot of money by promising good updates, essentially. 
or you don't have to say you're gonna have good updates. You can just have to expect it because that's just you know the big one. But you know, they don't even. I don't even know if Cyberpunk ever said it was a live service game, right? For all we knew, it could have just been a released and then dumped. You know, it could have been that could have been just it, right? Yeah. I wonder if they ever said that, or if they just assumed. I believe it would be eligible for the next video game awards. I don't believe it was it was eligible for the last one. I wonder if it'll if it'll uh, it will show if it shows up for anything. I don't know, man. Am I just like? Am I just? <laughs> well, you know, there's some things where it's like like art, for example. Like obviously, like that's not like. That wasn't the bad part, you know what I'm saying? Although some of it's questionable, but <laughs> that wasn't the bad part. I mean, there, there's some problems with like, I mean, if you didn't, if you, you don't, don't have trace, a 3080, kind of weird sometimes. Yes. <laughs> if you don't have a 3080, then you can't even appreciate a lot of the art, which is a big flaw, you know? Yeah. Like, if you don't weird. have ray tracing. What do you judge the art on? Do you judge it on like its potential? Because what if you use a supercomputer, right? And you're saying, I have the best graphics in the world. I mean, technically, yes, probably, right? Because you can run it on a supercomputer and it'll have like, premium ray tracing right and you know it'll be like true ray tracing unlike current ray tracing with like rtx which is like like it's ray tracing but like watered down essentially i think i think it should be judged off of i guess how well it it serves the work uh and like also mixed in on its own like maybe there should be like a combined like you know which makes it even more subjective and annoying. Yeah, I feel like there's no guideline yeah. on that. It's probably just like, you know, if I just say vote on like best art, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No criteria. Which is strange because, you know, what art means to some people is, you know, they're going to think about it in a different way, you know, probably. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So if it shows up for like best art, I mean, I think it's weird, but I don't know. I feel like it's just a disgrace of a game that it shouldn't like even appear, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I yeah, feel bad you don't you know how much the they'll art. pay. I, right? I, I kind of feel bad for the people who made the art, you know, because the rest of it wasn't necessarily their fault. But it's like I don't know, man. Like, unfortunately, you're gonna have to pay for your company. <laughs> <laughs> CD Projekt Red can can do no wrong. Was the uh, the hype train? Yeah, they made The Witcher. Didn't you guys know? <laughs> they made three good games before, all in the same series. All right. Well, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Uh. So all in all, at that point, about uh, initial products likely to be worse, I think it's it might be too better. It might just be better to just have one shot at doing it correctly. Not necessarily one shot, but you know, because games as a product aren't strictly, you know, one thing and no updates, right? Games as a product means that they don't like the intention is not to make money off of the updates specifically, you know. So when you release the game, you know, you're gonna have bugs. That's okay, right? Can't possibly find everything. People using different hardware, or whatever, is going to cause some problems. Then you can, you know, you fix the bugs, whatever. Maybe, you know, as a feature request, or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, great idea, right? But, you know, then you're done, you know? <laughs> you say, all right, yeah. off to the, onto the next project, whatever. Uh, we're not going to add 70,000 new skins and make the game 100 gigabytes like Warzone. And then, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you find and make you buy it. Um, or sell skins, whatever. So, uh, yeah, on to point three. Uh, oh, well. Okay, it's very related. Uh, it can cause scummy business practices, which is literally what we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, Star Citizen and stuff like that. So, well, what I wrote down in my notes was that uh, I, didn't, I didn't even think about Star Citizen or like Kickstarter stuff, but uh, I wrote down that it, you know, essentially brought gambling into games, which is a uh, it's kind of tough <laughs> because, uh, you know, a lot of these games are marketed towards kids or may not explicitly, but implicitly somehow. Um, and you know, child gambling is kind of not good. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like something people don't want to talk about too much. 
I, I think I think that it's getting you know there's definitely some cover. It's definitely well, it's illegal in some countries now, like gambling in uh, certain in I think uh, some Asian countries have may have a lot of legislation about gambling and video games. And uh, um, did I send? I think uh, I think I said this before, right? Um, last time, so something about Pokemon, and I think it was Korea having some law that might ban Pokemon, like a new remastered Pokemon or something like that, because what? something about gambling and like. I don't remember. I, I assume because it's marketed towards children, right? Mm. <laughs> Especially making a child gambling game, I guess. I remember uh, Pokemon uh, Diamond, I believe, had um, it had like a casino thing in there where you could gamble. I can't remember what it was. And it was just like... Because right? that wasn't connected to the internet. There was not, that was no, no. Was, so there's no real money. I was just saying, I wonder if it was. it's just like, it, like, is it so strict that even the concept of gambling in a game is like restricted? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know the uh, details. I, I. I don't know. Even sure if that's. If it was po- I don't even know. I think it's Pokemon. I think it's Korea. But the rest of the details, not too sure about. <laughs> mm. but, uh, yeah, not only do uh, kids end up seeing like gambling and stuff like that in their games, but they also see on Twitch, right? A lot of Twitch streamers uh, who are fairly wealthy, you know, be like, "Oh, I have a thousand dollars to burn because I literally have like you know billion dollars. It literally doesn't make a difference to me." <laughs> and this is like you know content people will watch or whatever. Right, I think I have some kids watching uh, Buying the Doge, the Doge, huh? uh, the Doge crypto. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to say the full name, but I can't because I don't know what will happen on YouTube. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> crypto, cryptos are heavily like 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 keyworded on on YouTube for because oh, there cool. are a lot of scams like with crypto. But the oh, Doge, yeah. BitConnect, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, seeing it on Twitch and stuff like that. Yeah, no good. Um, but aside from gambling, there's also stuff like paywalls, which, you know, okay, I guess it depends on what you define as a paywall. Let's say it can be done correctly, but, okay, if you define a paywall as literally something where you need to pay to progress in the game, it can be done correctly, right? I think you can essentially a free trial, you know what I'm saying? You play the game yeah. for free, you reach the paywall, and you just pay for the thing, and you just, you know, you get more game, right? The difference where uh, the game just soft locks you from continuing or something like that, right? Where it's like, I mean, you could grind 100 hours to progress, or you could just buy it. It's like, all right, you could, you, you, you're just being untruthful. The, the answer is you just buy it. <laughs> or sometimes yeah. they'll make it like, you know, technically on the edge of possibility, you know what I'm saying? Or some people will do it, you know, but very few people will do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, those people will just buy it. It's like, just say pay for the thing. Like, that is what you're saying. You're, you know, I don't know. Kind of, or you know, you could just say like, uh, "We're gonna have this lotto thing. You can go into the lotto. You have a one in like I don't know, one in two hundred chance of passing the paywall for free, or you pay for it." That is the same exact thing, <laughs> except like, <laughs> except you just said it outright, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, Getting past the Covenanter in World of Tanks, I'll never forget it. Yeah, yeah. And some people probably got Happened. past. They're, they're the one, you know, the one in two hundred, right? Yeah, <laughs> they uh, they did it, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people just paid for it. Uh, especially because I think there's some trickery there too that makes you more likely to pay for it because you end up thinking it's possible, and then you sink so much time into it, you get like the sunk cost fallacy where it's like, okay, mm. I spent like ten hours trying to continue. I'm going to continue, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like uh, right. I, I remember, you know, it was probably a di- I don't remember last time I played World of Tanks. 
many many years ago but i remember looking up on youtube i was so desperate because i couldn't get past the covenanter <laughs> i remember looking up on youtube covenanter tips and tricks and whatever and literally the tips and tricks were just try to live until the end of the match and hope your team wins or <laughs> so that you can get the xp from winning oh <laughs> <laughs> or like try to take pot shots at people so you can get the 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 you know try to like hit and run but the thing is not even like like it's not even good at that even that strategy like <laughs> um and some and a lot of people mentioned in their videos just pay for it literally or like just just pay for the next year like that that's how you get past the covenant too so <laughs> yeah just just tell yeah. me that world of tanks just say you're pretty much done here. You I mean, know? That's a pretty good free trial, you know, when you think about it. Because they probably, probably got a good amount of hours, you know? Oh, free. yeah. Yeah, no, uh, for probably, sure. Okay, I guess they probably would receive less because at the moment, the moment people reach that trial barrier, and a lot of people just drop out. They're like, well, I don't, I don't think the work, game is worth that much because, well, I think people undervalue games. But, you know, yeah. in their mind, the game is not worth that much, right? Yeah. Which you know is one of the things where it's like this is like a chain of problems. If you just if you just bought the game, right? Like you know, like this wouldn't even be a problem <laughs> if you're willing to buy the game. Yeah, <laughs> if you're willing to pay the fifteen dollars, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, well, probably more than that because it's weird. It none of it makes sense because having a AAA game be fifteen dollars does not exist, right? It's either yeah. it's zero dollars or it's sixty. There's no in between. It's very strange, but yeah. Um, which even though the Covenanter might cost like ten dollars, whatever it is, right? Like. They still would not sell. They would not sell past the paywall if they were, if they, you know, just explicitly sold it. They would not sell it for fifteen dollars because that just, uh, the unspoken laws <laughs> of, of of video game marketing say so. It doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> that's just how it is. I just think it just takes like I mean, there's just a cultural change, right, from like the dev side, which is very hard because video games. I feel like video games are in like the old Hollywood like stage where it's so expensive to make a video game that there are a lot of gatekeeping. There's a lot of gatekeeping happening, and because there's a lot of gatekeeping happening, uh, people want to control. Those gatekeepers want to control every aspect about the culture and everything like that. But like, I mean, the moment you get like more democratization of making like, you know, games is the moment that you'll find just people who are just willing to be more transparent doing better, you know, like, like that's it. Cause they just are trusted, you know, it's a, uh, it's kind of sad because, you know, developers known for being specifically programmers, well, even artists, I think, Oh, great. Yeah, I've heard bad stories from like every department, so maybe it's just everything uh, in the video game industry. Just known for like being a bad job, essentially, in terms of how much time it takes out of your life and stress and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but people do it for the passion of it, you know. Which is like that's just that's highly respectable and also highly sad, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. That's the thing, right? It's not yeah. like there's something inherently bad about video games and their cost to, uh, you know, their cost ratio. You know. What I'm no. saying? It's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This is just like, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if I end up working in the video game industry, the goal, right? It's like that's gonna hurt, you know. <laughs> Having yeah. to, you know, because in theory, and I rather own my own company, right? And yeah. if that doesn't work out, then you know, work for a video game development company. Yeah. If I work for one, I, you know, that's. If it ends up being bad, I, I might just quit. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I have that kind of you know drive to. Like it's like the people I'm selling it to don't appreciate it, so I'm just not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to keep like catering to you essentially. Um, 
And if I'm, yeah. you know, the owner of such a company, you know, I can't, I can't do things like crunch time and stuff like that and underpaying, right? Like, especially crunch time. Underpaying is like, that's also whack, but at least it's like, it's like, you know, if everyone says, okay, I gain enough value myself because I find this fulfilling, then, you know, it's like, yeah, is it really underpaying? I don't know. But, <laughs> um, yeah. But then, you know, it just makes it harder to survive. Uh, stuff like that. I'm like, you know, people, uh, okay, so I'm going to digress a bit. But uh, essentially, large uh, video game development studios will contract, uh, like, literally companies whose job, or they're just, they're just contractors, essentially, who make art or program because they can't finish their games on time. And wow. those companies themselves will be under crunch, like the contractors. Because they don't, they're like, because essentially, right, the company is going to go to whoever asks for the least amount of money or says they can do it in the fastest time, right? So they're all yeah. competing each other to do it for the fastest time. Uh, yeah, you know, if it goes to the, essentially the uh, the highest bidder in a way, right? Um, and the highest bidder in this case is the person who is willing to put their employees to the worst treatment, essentially, right? Um, and there are, like, massive companies who do that uh, specifically for programming and for art, but I'm sure there's, like, stuff for, like, you know, probably... I think music's different because you can't brute force music the same way as you can brute force art and uh, programming. Um, especially because, like, in you know, music, you tend to have one unified composer, right? Whereas in art, yeah, you have a you have a you know an art director, but then you have like a billion other people doing their own things, uh, making like building it up essentially, and they can do their own work concurrently. So it's easier to buy crunch overseas from that kind of stuff. Uh, and essentially, I say overseas because uh, you, you can you can exploit countries where uh, their labor laws aren't as uh, as nice. I guess <laughs> you know they can work longer hours for less pay. Essentially, but uh, yeah, I digress. Anyways, back to, back to the topic. Um, those are my three points. I think you know as I said before it's not entirely bad. Like they're good examples. Like you know, I think I mentioned RimWorld before. I would consider that a good a good use of games as a service. The game was good from the start. Added features that people wanted. Uh, it wasn't excuse. It wasn't an excuse to create something bad from the start. You know, I wonder if games of service was even something that was planned at the start. You know, it's a sandbox kind of game, so I think sandbox games essentially are more ripe for games as a service because adding new items and things you can place right is something that you can always do essentially. Uh, whereas in a game, I don't know, say say Warzone, right? It's more baked, right? You can't necessarily add a new feature like that without breaking the game, essentially. You know, mm. uh, you can't add, you can't just say, "Oh, now the player can fly," and that's not gonna work out well with the rest of the balance, right? Stuff like that. And maybe it's like a shifting state in video games where uh, essentially it becomes more economical in the short term to do games as a service because of the current culture of, cons- of you know the consumers of video games. Um, to before, I think it's unhealthy for the long-term state of uh, the video game industry, but understandably, no company wants to not do that because in the short term, it's very profitable, and not doing so could end up end in more risk, essentially. Um, I wonder if in the future, if it continues shifting in this direction, where essentially smaller game dev studios, sort of how I was talking about the uh, overseas crunch buying thing, uh, smaller dev studios will essentially be contracted to create, you know, essentially patches for live service games or, or like, you know, essentially like maybe a contract to create like a game mode or something like that, right? Imagine if 
the live service updates became a lot more prominent. They were less like, oh, I added a new skin, more like I added a whole new, I don't know, whole new map or something. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. I meant an open world map. So I was talking about uh, added a whole new, you know, a large, a larger thing than we currently get, right? And uh, I wonder if, uh, yeah, essentially, there be companies who specialize in just being like the general programmer, the general artist, whatever it is so that they can create for a variety of companies, which having a generalized studio do that is going to compound on the problem of a lack of originality that I was talking about before because they're not going to be stylized, right? Um, maybe they'll have their, you know, their own slight styles because, you know, you can say, oh, you know, I prefer this artist's artistic style over this one, right? Uh, and that's my company's appeal is that I provide this artistic style. But I'm not going to deviate into something like, say, uh, Riot Games is, is a very, has a very stylized style, right? Very stylized. Um, their artists are, you know, if you ever go on like Instagram and you look at the artists' portfolios or whatever, right, on Instagram, they they'll draw in that style like naturally, right? Like they're, I assume they're selected based on the fact that they can do that and they're trained to do that, so that's the stuff they tend to pump out, right? If you have these generic studios doing this, you might get slightly stylized things. We're not going to get anything like that, you know, probably. At least it's not going to be as well executed. I think Riot Games has a very great uh, art team, uh, great art direction. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Cool. Uh, and, uh, Ben popped in at the end of the, uh, at the end of that, uh, whole segment. Uh, Ben, what are your thoughts on, uh, games as a service? <laughs> that's uh, a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, that's, that's cool. That's that very interesting. I didn't know anything about this topic. So I think that those are all interesting thoughts. 